Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Monday, July the 23rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are officially in camp week, and we'll start off with a very special guest today. Kyle Krabs joins us to talk about the impact of this rookie class, the Dolphins' last three draft classes, and the primary challenges for Ryan Tannehill heading into 2018, and much, much more. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. We are up to 150 reviews at a five-star rating, so thank you guys for being the best fans in the podcast universe. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins, and of course, for your daily written Dolphins content needs, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, and of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast, and the Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I don't want to waste any time because Kyle is a very busy man. He is a professional in this industry. Let's go ahead and talk to him about the 2018 Miami Dolphins. That's another Miami Dolphins. And joining the podcast now is the founder of NDT Scouting and now a senior draft analyst for the Draft Network. You can find him on Twitter at Grinding the Tape. He is, of course, Kyle Krabs. Kyle, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, Travis, thanks for having me. That intro is, is weird. This is the first podcast spot that I have done since we've shut the doors at NDT Scouting and have joined forces with some really, really great minds and, and talents scouting the NFL draft with the Draft Network, which we're really excited for. But uh, I'm excited to be on Locked On Dolphins because, you know, as a Dolphins fan growing up throughout my entire childhood, I still watch this team extremely close to me. They, they still have my heart and an opportunity to talk about them as we get ready to roll into to training camp is going to be really, really fun. Well, I love getting the opportunity to talk to guys that have a bigger platform than just the Dolphins about this team because we get a different perspective on it in that sense. But before we get into the Dolphins, Kyle, I wanted to ask you because I saw your the tweet that you have pinned to your profile right now on Twitter, your timeline, whatever it's called. It really struck a chord with me and resonated with me. I'm curious to ask you how you got into all this draft evaluation stuff and basically where did you come from to get to where you are now today? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I came up as a youth playing football like so many kids, and uh, I had the opportunity to, to play at the high school level and unfortunately hurt my back my senior year and uh, lost out on an opportunity to play at the college level. Please do not make any mistakes you know I would have been like a walk-on at a power five school maybe played some special teams I was not a special football player but I I wanted to pursue playing in college and never had the opportunity to do so so uh, what I ended up doing is I I coached for several years at the high school level um, and once I I healed my backup I did play two years of semi-professional ball and, and one year of a lower level arena style uh, game before I stopped and asked myself, dude, you're, you're beating the crap out of your body here. You, know, you, you got the chance to play again. It's probably time to hang them up. So 
Uh, once that decision was made and as I'm pursuing my bachelor's degree and uh, coaching is just really weighing on you because it's such a big time commitment if you want to do it right, I asked myself, you know, what is, I'm not done with the game. What is the next step for me? And the, the logical answer, unfortunately, is so many of, of your audiences listening to this podcast can relate to as a Dolphins fan is October rolls around every year and we're Googling draft prospects. So the draft has had my heart for a long time and um, always looking towards the future and looking for the answer of who are the players that can solve our problems and, and that kind of never ending search. And it really just kind of buried this bug in me. And I would stay up late at night you know, in between classes and uh, I'd be on my laptop in the back of some of my more boring lectures at the college level and, uh, just, just I really got the itch for it, became a, a true student of the game, and I've been fortunate enough to learn from some really uh, talented coaches at the high school level and through my networking at the college level as well to you know, just be a sponge. And as I learn more, I feel like I grasp this better and better. And I've, I've started MDT Scouting in 2013, and five years later we've shut the doors, and I thankfully am, am very blessed to say I have a full-time job scouting college football players. That's what we're all aiming for, and it's an awesome distinction and definitely well-deserved. And it's funny you mentioned the fact that you have this passion for football, that it eventually, you know, that passion surpasses your actual talent level. And I've always thought that those type of people make the best scouts and, and analysts because, like you mentioned, that passion to work hard is always there. And that might not be the case for guys that were former players. They're just doing it for a job, a second career. So we appreciate people like you. And with that said, I wanted to get you on here to talk about some of these younger players of the Miami Dolphins because, as you well know, Kyle, the perception around this team is that they're going to be terrible. I think ESPN posted something today, and I think it was Mike Clay who is – you know, we'll go ahead and just skip past his name there. But they post something talking about the fact that the Dolphins are 32nd in terms of future ranking. And what that means is their young core, their coaching staff, their GM, whatever the hell their calculation was, they they deemed the Dolphins were the worst team in football. So I wanted to ask you about this young core, this rookie class, and the past three draft classes. Because for me, this is an exciting young core that people don't talk a whole lot about. And so I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts about Chris Greer and what he's been able to do with Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, Kenyon Drake, and then some of the guys that are more unproven, obviously, Raekwon McMillan, Charles Harris, and then this year's class with Minka and company. So do you think this team is getting turned in the right direction because of that young core, or is Mike Tannenbaum still pulling the strings and having this team go in the wrong direction? Well, I certainly think so, but it's for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the things that I do each and every year at the end of the draft class is I evaluate what teams are selecting players and valuing players that mirror my personal draft evaluations. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are head and shoulders above everybody else. They consistently, for the past five draft classes, have drafted players that I have had held in higher regard on my personal draft board. The Philadelphia Eagles are another one. So it's a pretty good company to be in. The Miami Dolphins are in the top five on that list. They have consistently targeted guys that I have held in extremely high regard. Some of these guys, like a Bobby McCain, was a guy I had in my top 75 when he came out, and they ended up taking him in the middle rounds. But, you know, Bobby just got a very well-deserved extension on his contract. And Cordray Tankersley was a third-round pick last year. This was a top 40 player for me. I thought he was a terrific football player coming out of Clemson. And uh, Jerome Baker, you know, you look at this year's class, I think it's a really exciting group. And it makes sense. You know, they got good value for their, their prominent picks on the first two days with Minka and Gusecki and Jerome Baker. Um, 
but they all fit a need too. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, Minka specifically, but you know, Ryan Tannehill and his ability to have a big bodied receiver at the tight end position. That's not Marquise Gray or a washed up Julius Thomas. Like <laughs> those, that's, that's going to be a big addition because I think when Ryan was pretty consistently at his best, he had a guy like maybe Charles Clay, who he was able to throw the ball to. And he likes to work the middle of the field, and he's accurate and effective in that area. So I think that's going to be a big gift for Ryan as he looks to get his feet back underneath of him from coming off of this injury. But you know, this young tor- core, this isn't to say that there's not guys that still have stuff to prove. Like, Tonsil, we got to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you know this, this is a big year for him in year three. Kind of uh, was bounced around as a rookie. Last year, really disappointing in pass protection and stretches. Looked like he kind of turned on towards the end of the season. He's got to carry that through now because with, with what he was regarded as a player, that's who he has to be if this young core is really going to emerge and make this Dolphins team be what so many of us think and hope that they can be under the guidance of Chris Greer and Adam Gase. And you're preaching to the choir on a couple of those points that are talking about Ryan Tannehill's ability to pass the ball, I guess, up the seam. And in that like 11 to 20 yard range, I actually chart Ryan Tannehill's every single one of pass, every single pass he made in his career. I've charted it and I've got him for 2016 at 27 for 40 in that range. So he's definitely a very accurate passer in that mold. Bobby McCain, I am the fa- I am the president of the Bobby McCain fan club, so I'm glad That's you agree cool. there. And then I was going to ask you here, Kyle, to piggyback off of something you said earlier in that last little uh, dip there. Was you had you mentioned the Jaguars and the Eagles and the Dolphins kind of creeping up, maybe not to the same level, but in that same realm. And both of those teams surprised last year with obviously a Super Bowl championship, and the Jaguars were one bad call away from joining them in that game. Is that something you see the Dolphins possibly doing is having a surprise year because of the way they've replenished that young core? Oh, look, I mean, I think this Dolphins team has much more talent than they're being given credit for. Uh, and you survey the division that they are in, the Buffalo Bills are a hot mess. We don't know what's going on with Shady McCoy right now either. So that's a whole nother level of Buffalo where, you know, they are a ways away. Don't tell Bills really fans that. I know it's the hardest <laughs> pill to swallow in all of football. I don't know why. Um, the New York Jets, you know, it's, they have an extremely talented defense. Offensively, the skill players that they have are extremely lacking. You know, so you know, can this athletic Miami Dolphins front four get after the Jets and, and get them behind the chains in those matchups? These divisional games are going to be huge. You know, when you look at back at what the Dolphins did in 2016 and when they made that playoff run, it was beating teams inside the division. I think that has to be something that we said as priority number one if this team does make a run. I expect this team to be very competitive. I'm not going to put them in that stratosphere of what the Philadelphia Eagles have been able to do with what the Jacksonville Jaguars did last year. Uh, but I will say this. I expect them to be much, much better than people think, and I expect them to be very competitive for a vast majority of the games they play this year. Kyle, I've had multiple people on the podcast this summer that know the game very well that have said exactly that. So it's always appreciated to get that confirmation seemingly week after week on the podcast here. And you mentioned the schedule and talk about sweeping the AFC East, or at least the Bills and the Jets. It's imperative every single year because you look at the NFC North, Dolphins have to play that division this year, and that's four really tough football games. But we're going to get to more here with Kyle Krabs here on the other side of the podcast. He is at Grinding the Tape. I am at Wingful NFL and at Locked On at Locked On Fins here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Guys, you're not a first-round pick anymore, but just because you're an aging veteran doesn't mean you can't perform like a 21-year-old rookie. Listen up. 
BlueChew.com. That's blue, not red. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, after a huge fan's win, or when she wants to console you after a heartbreaking loss, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a regular pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkward conversations. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And we're back in the Locked On Dolphins podcast, joined by Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, formerly of NDT Scouting. And Kyle, the guy that everyone seems to agree on this offseason in terms of the media, fans, and alike, is Minka Fitzpatrick. And I'm curious to get your thought because you do all the draft stuff. You obviously have a huge write-up on Minka Fitzpatrick. What is his fit in this defense, and does it change the makeup of the defense or just the way we view this defense in general? Yeah, holy cow. I, I love this fit for Miami, because I think you look at the Dolphins' defense last year, and one area that it was sorely lacking was playmakers. You know, you have Rashad Jones, who is one of the con- continues to be one of the criminally underrated players in the NFL, where he, he is so good, he can defend the pass, he can play center field, he can play up in the run, and he is a big-time hitter. He's got a nose for the football. I love what Rashad Jones does. But if you look and you pair that with Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, and Minka's going to be moved around, so they're going to have opportunities to get another safety on the field, you know, probably T.J. McDonald. Uh, but you know, if you go with your two safeties, your preferred two safeties as this season goes, and it's Minka and Rashad, you've got versatility, you've got size, you've got very good tacklers on the back end, which is key. Uh, because Kiko is probably going to miss a couple as the year goes on. So you need somebody behind him that's going to clean up that mess. But I love what Minka can do because he's a blitzer like Rashad. He can play in the slot probably better than Rashad uh, has ever played in his career coming in as a rookie. Minka can play man-to-man coverage, and he can be that guy that can defend a tight end. The Dolphins have got crushed by tight ends for the last several years now. You finally have a player in Minka Fitzpatrick who's not a boundary corner, so you're not going to forsake your coverage on the outside, to walk him up into the slot and play man-to-man coverage against a tight end, and you can expect him to win those reps. I think that is the biggest thing that Minka brings, especially when you consider Rob Gronkowski hanging around in this division. And they only had eight interceptions last year for a lack of playmaking ability, so definitely right on that front. And I'm curious to see the way the secondary plays together because this rookie might be the quarterback of that defense. And talking about the quarterback, let's go ahead and change gears here and get to the other guy that everyone loves to talk about for either the right or the wrong reasons. And I wanted to ask you, Kyle, what are the main challenges Tannehill faces this season going into what might be, I guess, a make-or-break year for him? Sure. Uh, First of all, he's got a finally pull the best out of Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devontae, you know, has been underwhelming in each of the last three years. He's been on the team since he was a first-round pick, and 
know, I was at the, the NFL combine each of the last two years. And after Miami made the, the 10 and six run and you know, you're at the combine and you're talking to Adam Gase and uh, he has his availability at the NFL combine. And he's talking specifically about Devontae, about how Devontae needs to be a better professional. And, you know, if you say you're going to show up for workouts, you need to actually show up for workouts. And it's like, holy cow, big red flag here. Well, it's put up or shut up time for Devontae. So Ryan needs to balance how talented Devontae is and getting him looks without forcing him to football. I think that's something that, that is going to be really big for this Dolphins team is an emergence of, of Devontae Parker and Ryan's ability to distribute the football is going to be big here. I don't expect him to force feed Devontae targets. But taking those selective shots with Devontae and giving the opportunity to make some big plays down the field, I know Kenny Stills is a guy that can win vertically. I feel really good about Kenny Stills being one of the starting wide receivers on this roster. I feel good about Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson stepping into the Jarvis Landry role because both of those guys are more dynamic than Jarvis. We're not going to run the offense through Jarvis. So as Jarvis leaves, Ryan now has an opportunity to redisperse the targets in this passing offense, and he needs to take some selective shots with Devontae Parker. That's, that's something I want to see early on in the season. Don't force it. But you have, you have to give yourself the chance to make some explosive plays down the field. And that Devontae Parker professionalism topic has been just beaten to death every single year. They talked about his inability to find a diet plan this offseason and how it was kind of a joke going back to like January once the team broke for the winter. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the, dis- the distribution of targets in the passing offense. And I just watched a video on Twitter, the Dolphins' Twitter page, where Ryan Tannehill, he's mic'd up for practice. And he does seem to have a bit more command and in-, in charge of this offense this year. And you talk about the fact that they're going to try to spread the ball around the way the Falcons have in the past and the way the Lions did after Calvin Johnson left. But how would you kind of delineate these targets in this offense? Is it going to be just a, a mix mash of whoever matches up the best, or is there going to be like a hierarchy? How would you predict the way the pass targets go on the offense this year? Sure. sure. Oh, I think, I think that's what Gates wants, right? Gates wants you to not know who's going to be his guy, his mismatch guy on a week in and week out basis. I expect we're going to see the backs be very involved in the receiving game as well. You know, seeing them go out and get a guy like Caleb Lodge, who you know, some people consider should transition to a wide receiver with how good he is as a, a, a talent catching the ball out of the backfield and being flexed out in the slot and you know, run after catch opportunities. Uh, Kenyon has hands and can catch the ball quite well. Uh, they drafted a pass catcher for the red zone and Mike Gusecki. I think you, you, you're going to see a lot of targets for Gusecki and Parker in the red zone because they have that size. It's been an area that's been lacking for this team size and the ability to a keep it on the field you know in Devontae's case with some of the injury issues that he's had uh those red zone mismatches are going to be huge and that's an area for Brian that uh, I also want to see him just really crush this year is red zone passing because you know one of the things that that perhaps we're going to talk about is the the changes that have been made on this offensive line it, it's lended towards passing the football so if you're inside the 20 I think you're going to see Gusecki and Parker get a lot of looks. You might get one of these backs on a linebacker out of the, out of the backfield. You know, if you're looking for some of the bases schemed open targets, uh, but if you're looking specifically at the receivers, I think you're going to see a very wide distribution of guys like Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, Kenny Stills. Uh, you could probably even lump Jakeem Grant in there if he continues to get looks because 
you know, for being such a diminutive guy, he runs great routes and he had some really nice flashes last year. I have big expectations for Jakeem Grant this year and talking about scoring the ball in the red zone, something they've struggled with for a long time now. And even back to 2016, a lot of their touchdowns were splash plays and lengthier touchdowns. And they also haven't been able to run the football down in the red zone very well either. One of the worst in that regard. And Frank Gore comes over and hopefully, you know, he was one of the top red zone rushers in terms of yards per carry last year. So you hope you get some of that. But we have more to get to here with Kyle Krabs on the other side of the podcast, the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. He is at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. I'm at Wingfield NFL and at Lockdown Fins. And on the other side of the podcast, we talked about the running game, the red zone running game, and some beef today went down between myself and a member of NFL media, Chris Westling, talking about Kenyon Drake and the assertion that he has no explosion to his game, which I just found mind-boggling that a professional writer that his job is to watch football and write about it could say something like that. So I wanted to ask you, Kyle, I mean, obviously we don't have to get into that topic, but is Kenyon Drake the real deal? Was that last five or six game stretch that we saw, is that something we can kind of extrapolate for a full season? Uh, you certainly hope so. Uh, one of the, if, if you go back and read the draft assessment that I had on Kenyon Drake coming out from, from University of Alabama, film was very strong. Uh, actually, the the first words on the film study are in regards to feet and change of direction skills, explosive running style. <laughs> so there you go, Travis. Uh, the, the writing's on the wall there. I'll let you do with that what you will. But uh, it was the best case scenario for Ken. Uh, the, the fact that you know all of his athletic gifts kind of came into uh, this manifestation in five or six games, and the dude ran angry. I think that's really important. You know, I, I think I look at what happened with Jay Ajayi, you know, as he kind of phased his way out of this team. And you look back at what he did well for a lot of his successful games in 2016 was when he ran angry. You know, Jay almost became so averse to the first guy flashing in the backfield that he got away from his size as a runner. Well, Kenyon slapped together pretty well. Like, quietly, he's... He's not a big back, but it's six five or six foot and five eighths of an inch and two hundred ten pounds coming out of the NFL draft. Uh, this is a pretty well slapped together back, and he tested as an above average athlete. Uh, so when you adjust his size and athleticism relative to backs to come through the NFL combine over the course of the past approximately fifteen years, this was a plus athlete. So you saw that. You saw the the just the the execution and the, the willingness to take a guy on head one and then some of the natural abilities take on or take over after that, where you see the recovery balance and the cut ability and, and his ability to vacate space really quickly and then get back up to top speed again. A lot of those big plays from Kenny came in those regards. And uh, that was certainly a sh uh, shot in the arm and a refreshing breath of fresh air for a Dolphins team that sorely lacked it uh, for a vast majority of last season. Can you extrapolate it over 16 games? I don't know, because he, he didn't do it at the college level. You know, that, that was a lot of the concerns and questions surrounding Kenny Drake is he's always been a second fiddle. He's never been the guy. He was never given an opportunity to start. Uh, he played in 42 games. He started one game in his college career. Uh, the production, because of his limited role, was questionable. You know, he had flashes, but he never put it totally together. So... This is kind of a big year for Kenny Drake in that regard uh, because I do think the presence of Frank Gore 
will pull some carries from him, but I, I really think this is Kenyon's show in the backfield as far as being the primary runner. And the way the NFL goes, we like to chew up running backs and spit them out and just draft the replacements two years later, so I could definitely see that being the case. And I am curious to get your take on the Dolphins' running scheme in general, and we can kind of lump this into the last question I have for you here, Kyle. It's that sure. it seems like the Dolphins, every every year we turn out a new running back that no one really knew much about previously in the year prior. So you go from Reggie Bush to Lamar Miller. Now, granted, that was the Joe Philbin days. Then you have that Sean Marino little stint there. We had a couple of nice games. And then you go to Jay Ajayi and now Kenyon Drake. And I know that in Adam Gaze's scheme, it's all about finding the numbers in the box and basically just counting the numbers. And if it's advantageous, you run the football. Is that's something last year they didn't really do very well was run the ball because, like you mentioned, Jay Ajayi was contacted in the backfield over and over again, and that didn't change with Kenyon Drake. So is that something that Ryan Tannehill coming back in lieu of Jay Cutler can kind of help fix? Is it something that maybe our offensive line coach not doing cocaine on the side can help fix, or what's the deal with the running game? Well, I, I, think, that, I think there's a lot of promising variables here to consider. Uh, Tannehill obviously coming back and – being a more well-balanced offense is going to be huge where you don't have guys teeing off into gaps in early in the game and shutting down the running game. And then, you know, Miami's tied on the scoreboard, so you get to tee off on the passing game. I think some of the changes that have been made along the offensive line could be extremely helpful. Uh, for one, I am not sad to see Mike Pouncey go. Mike Pouncey has not been the player that he had the reputation of being the last several years that he was here in Miami. So seeing him go out the door and bringing in a guy like Daniel Kilgore, who uh, you think about what Coach Shanahan does out in San Francisco with that zone rushing concepts that they, they like to implement. And they had signed him to an extension before trading him to Miami. So I think that's a really good uh, testament to, to Kilgore's ability in the rushing game to be kind of a zone concept guy I know Miami are more inside zone versus San Francisco outside zone, but uh, those zone concepts are, are still the same where you have to steer defenders and let the back cut off of their own momentum. And, and Kilgore, is, is, that's one of his stronger areas. But the biggest thing for me as far as this offensive line and the rushing game and the passing game is the guard play. Guard play has neutered this Dolphins offense for like five straight years now. I love seeing them go out and get a guy like Josh Sitton who you can plug in at left guard. And then you've got a promising guy like Jesse Davis on the right side. That's still a question mark. But at least you have one guy in Josh Sitton that you feel really good about him being in your starting lineup so that you don't go player we think is good, player that's not good, player we think was good or used to be good, player that's not good, player that you know is a pretty average starting right tackle at the NFL level. Not having two good players next to each other on the offensive line, I think, has been one of the biggest issues for Miami and their inability to stay consistent in any area of the offensive line. So to have Tunsil, who we know has talent, sitting next to him, Daniel Kimball, who we know is a good fit in zone concepts, I think is huge for Miami going forward. And it, it's encouraging to me in the sense that Adam Gaze maybe has learned from the error of his ways because previously to this year, he said that the guard position was not an important position to him because the ball comes out in two and a half seconds. You don't have to really do much at the position, but now he has realized that you can't get by with Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner year after year. So hopefully that's been fixed. And is this approach of a pass protection first offensive line going to work? Because down in Miami, the way you salt away games at home is by running the football. And we have five guys that 
that have good pass blocking efficiency numbers, but they might get overwhelmed sometime with the physical part of the game. And we've seen Mike Pouncey get dominated in years and years and years in a row with the New York Jets with guys like Leonard Williams or Muhammad Wilkerson or Sheldon Richardson. And I'm concerned that might be the case again. So is this offensive line going to be able to do enough in the running game to make that plan work? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a certainly a legitimate concern because the strengths of a lot of these guys is the, the, their pass protection skills. And I think one thing to consider here is the athleticism of this group. I think the athleticism of this group is better, specifically on the interior. And uh, I think that that athleticism, again, with these zone concepts, they're going to have to lean heavily on the zone. These are not guys that are going to uproot you and move you off the line of scrimmage with the exception of Tunsil in some cases and Juwan James in some cases. So by and large, you're going to have guys that are flashing across the face of our offensive linemen, and they're going to reset the line of scrimmage. Can you implement those slingshot techniques and work your hips across their face and turn those guys out? We have better athleticism than we've seen in this group for Miami in quite a while, specifically, again, at the guard position. So that's an X factor. They're going to have to really rely on that. I think it's something that they're banking on, and this rushing offense is going to go as far as the zone concepts carry them this year. He is Kyle Krabs. You can find him on Twitter, at Grinding the Tape. Kyle, I want to give you the floor here for a second to tell us about the Draft Network and what we can expect from it uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, we're really excited about the Draft Network and the things that we're doing here. You, you consider NFL franchises and the their draft evaluation method, the methodology is a 12-month affair, and you consider what the media by and large treats the NFL draft as as a three- to four-month event. Well, the NFL draft's never been bigger. Now, night one of the NFL draft this year averaged 11.2 million viewers at any given point from start to finish. There is a very large growing market and interest in the NFL draft, and we are going to be fully committed to conducting that 12-month assessment window just like NFL teams do. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a prospect database that our guys have been working on since uh, the beginning of June that has over 6,000 draft-eligible prospects that are going to have bios. Uh, We're going to have film assessments and notes on these guys entering the season uh, as pre-2018 film notes on approximately 200 of those guys, the top 200 players across the Power 5 conferences. Uh, we're, we're planning on putting together some really fun interactive tools to allow fans to work through this process with us, like uh, a mock draft machine that's going to allow you to simulate and play general manager of your own favorite team and uh, some other stuff that we're not quite ready to share yet, but it, it's really, really exciting, a lot of the stuff that we have going on. and We, we highly encourage you guys to swing over on August 6th when we open the doors and check out what we got because we don't think you're going to be disappointed. Again, that's August 6th. The Draft Network opens up on that day, and I don't know why you'd go anywhere else for draft coverage this season. Kyle, thank you so much for doing the podcast today, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Let's do this again sometime soon. Yeah, please. Let's do it. And off he goes, and I am definitely going to hold him to that request to do a podcast here in the future. But as for today's podcast, guys, that is going to do it. The July 23rd podcast. We have more to get to this week. Tomorrow we'll talk about cornerbacks with Kevin Dern. And then on Wednesday, the safeties before training camp starts on Thursday, the 26th. We have almost made it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, guys. Leave us a rating and a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show 
at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. When you talk to the sun In a tongue understood I know Can it be that I hear what he's saying Is there a reason why I'm still alive?